You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Baking can seem kind of magical. You take a bunch of ingredients, mix them together, put them in the oven, and then a little time passes. And you have cake, or cookies, or bread. But there's no magic wand involved in the process. It's chemistry. Today we're going to learn all about the science of baking. Keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from NPR News and Southern California Public Radio. I'm Molly Bloom. I'm here with my two co-hosts today, sisters Beatrix and Alice from Minneapolis. Hello. Thanks for being here. Hello. Hello. Now, you both have been around baking your whole lives. Your mom is a professional baker. Can you tell me what is the first thing you remember baking? Cookies, I think. And what is your favorite thing to bake now? I really like baking cookies. I think it's really fun. And Alice, what is your favorite part of the baking process? Uh, My favorite part is cracking the eggs and beating them together. Why? Um, because it's fun to crack the eggs, and it's kind it's kind of fun of a challenge when you try not to get the egg, the outside of the outside in. Like, don't you want to drop the shell into yeah. the batter? Yeah. You need to be careful of how much ingredients you put in there and what ingredients you put in there. Like, if you want your cake or cookies to be crunchy with eggshells in them, that's fine. Just, I don't think I'd want that. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably not taste delicious. No. And Alice, what do you think is the hardest part of baking? I think the hardest part about baking is when you cook it because you don't want to cook it too high of a temperature or too low of a temperature because if it was too low of a temperature, it would be all sticky and gooey. And if it was too high of a temperature, it'd kind of be like burnt. So you have to take it out at the right time. And what part of baking do you think is like the most magical or that you're kind of the most... You know, you have the most questions about. I think the most magical part of it is when it's like halfway done baking and it just smells really awesome. (laughs) And it's hard not to open the oven. Yes. (laughs) Well, I love baking too, but I have to admit, I didn't know anything about the science behind it before we started making this episode. And we were inspired to look into it by this baking question sent to us from Bloomington, Indiana. Hi, I'm Esme and I'm six years old. My question is, how do ingredients cook together? To find the answer, we spoke to Dave Dominguez. He's a food scientist at General Mills. He explained to us that all the different ingredients play important parts. There's flour, there's shortening, oftentimes. There's sugar, there's water, there's egg. And each of those ingredients has a specific function in the baking cycle. And it's all about taking these raw materials and then transforming them into something else. First, you have flour. Flour is made by grinding up wheat, which is a plant. Flour provides starch and protein in your batter and dough. So starch is basically sugar molecules that are all hooked together in a long chain. And the plant does that in order to store them away in these little granules called starch granules. The protein part, uh, that's kind of like Legos that form structure in the bread and hold it together. Then you have shortening or fat. It could be butter, it could be lard, it could be hydrogenated vegetable shortening, and it gives it a very short texture. That's why we call it shortening, because they crumble and come apart. Um, And that, as the name implies, it helps shorten the texture because it interacts with the proteins and kind of coats them and prevents them from getting too tangled. I think of the proteins like like knitting yarn. My mother used to like to knit, and how it all kind of mixes together and gets all tangled up. Well, those are what the proteins do in the bread. Don't forget the egg. So the egg's interesting because there's two components of eggs. You ever crack an egg, you get the egg white and you have the egg yolk. 
and the egg whites have uh, proteins, uh, which are good for structuring and adding texture to your baked product. The egg yolk uh, has a lot of interesting uh, ingredients uh, within it. It has a lot of fat, adds color, adds flavor, but it also has a group of compounds we call emulsifiers. It's kind of a fancy word for the ability of these, of these particular compounds to dissolve in water and fat. And so it helps mix things together very well. And you have perhaps the most important ingredient of all. The leavener. That's baking soda, baking powder, or yeast. We'll talk more about how they do this in a minute, but the basic function of leaveners is to create gas in the batter or dough. These gas bubbles are key. But they can't do their job without another very important ingredient. Heat. Those bubbles, as they get hot, start to expand. So when they expand, you can see the bread start to rise. And actually, the word leavening comes from the word lavar, like levitate, all those other words. It just means to rise or to lift and to raise. And so what happens with the heat, uh, gases expand when they get hot. And so by adding heat, you're expanding the gases. Some recipes don't use baking soda, baking powder, or yeast to introduce gas. You can also simply whip your batter. That's when you stir together your ingredients in a way that adds bubbles of air. Which is basically more gas that expands when it heats up. The early part of the baking cycle is just heating. We call that oven spring. And so then it's just the gas expanding in that batter or dough system. Then you run into a process where there's a whole class of active little molecules in all of us called enzymes. And these enzymes are very interesting because they perform all sorts of interesting functions. And there are these enzymes that are in the dough that start to take the long starch molecules, which are all the sugars hooked up together, and they start clipping them apart. And that in turn affects the, what we call the viscosity or how runny or how thick the batter is. And it makes it a little less so, so it can start expanding a little more. The starch goes through a transformation too. What happens is, is that as you start heating it up, they're kind of damaged and they start to absorb water and they go through a transformation, a change called gelatinization. They get kind of jelly-like. And when the starch gelatinizes, the structure can't expand anymore, it just stops. And then the structure is set. And then what happens as it gets warmer is that the proteins that are in there uh, actually denature. And when the proteins denature, the little films around those bubbles become rigid, and then the gas expands, but it can't expand anymore, and they actually rupture, and that's when you form your crumb. And then what happens, then you get to the point of the baking cycle where the crust starts to dehydrate and you start browning. Browning tells you when your baking is almost done. And it's another cool reaction where the dough actually changes color and creates new pigment. Well, there's a whole series of reactions. So when the sugars start to react with one another, it goes through this long, complicated process in which they form all these intermediate compounds. And at the very end, they form pigments called melanoidins, kind of like melanoidin pigments in your skin. Same kind of class of compounds. And depending on the nature of the sugar, the type of melanoidin formed has a different color. And it happens at different temperatures because the different sugars have different melt points and reactivities. Now, did you guys realize that when you're baking, you're becoming chemists? No. But before we learn about leavening, we have an important task to take care of. It's time for the mystery sound. Mystery sound. We're actually going to have two mystery sounds this episode. Here's the first one. Any guesses? Um, I think it's a waterfall. Hmm, a waterfall. How about you, Beatrix? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something having to do with baking. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear it one more time since yeah. it was kind of short? 
Okay, Beatrix, any other guesses? The sound of a mixer, maybe? I think it's actually um, of the thing that, that like can grind it up really fast, like something that you can use to make um, some ingredients like soft. That's a good guess. Here is the answer. That was the sound of the oven steam. Hi, I'm Kelsey McCright, and I'm a baker here at Rustica Bakery. It is used in order to prevent the crust from forming on the bread too quickly so that the air bubbles can expand and the loaf reaches its full potential. Uh, By providing moisture on the outside of the loaf, um, it doesn't dry as quickly and solidify, and that way the gas has the chance to fully uh, expand. Otherwise, sometimes the loaf will blow up or split right down the middle. So that was the sound of steam coming out of the oven. So they have a little device where steam fills the oven to prevent the crust from forming too soon. Stay tuned for our second mystery sound and another chance for guessing in just a bit. Do you have a question you want to hear answered on Brains On? A mystery sound to share? Or maybe you just want to send us a high five or a drawing? Email us. We're at brainson at m as in Minnesota, pr.org. By the way, have you signed up for our newsletter? That's where we talk about new episodes, live events, and cool science stuff to check out. Also, real soon we're going to have contests there where you can win stuff like your very own Brains On Whoopee Cushion. I <laughs> I have one in my hands right now. It's silly and fun and could be yours. We'll have details on entering the contest in our newsletter, but first, you need to sign up at brainson.org. Now's the time in every episode where we highlight the awesome kids who keep this show going with their curious questions, magical mystery sounds, and hearty high fives. Here's the most recent group to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. Emily and Noah from Brookline, Massachusetts, Helen and Jane from Washington, D.C., Theta, Stefan, and Miriam from Austin, Texas, Sophia from Frankfort, Kentucky, Sebastian from Columbia, Missouri, Emma from Vancouver, Isabella from North Berwick, Maine, Luke and Charlie from Durham, North Carolina, Matthew and Andrew from Katy, Texas, Aditya from Fremont, California, David Jonathan from Kennesaw, Georgia, Jack and Ben from Somerville, South Carolina, Adiv from Thornhill, Ontario, Henry and George from Owaiton, Connecticut, Shekinah from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, Milo from Rustic Canyon, California, Jacob from Orange, California, Elwa and Gabriel from Leuven, Belgium, Felix from Auckland, New Zealand, Gabriel from New Orleans, Emery from Abilene, Texas, Griffin and Gwen from Cincinnati, Nathaniel from Mountain View, California, Travis from Dallas, Jonah from New York City, Charlie and Jack from Mississauga, Ontario, Jada from Bloomington, Indiana, Phoebe from New York City, Ethan from Maplewood, New Jersey, Isabella from Michigan, and Isla and May from Situate, Massachusetts. You're listening to Brains On from NPR News and Southern California Public Radio. I'm Alice Lowe. And I'm Beatrix Lowe. And I'm Molly Bloom. Today we're exploring the science of baking. To find out more about how yeast works, we're going to go right to the source. Welcome back to Cooking with Kathy. Our next guest is someone who knows me very well, almost as well as she knows her baking. Please give a warm oven welcome to my sister Belinda. 
Thanks, Kath. What a pleasure to be here to share my baking expertise with your lovely audience. <laughs> Great. No one calls me Kath anymore. Well, let's get this over with. I mean, let's get this show on the road. Now, as you can see, on the counter, I have sliced up a loaf of bread. You guys want to try some? You can do better than that. Now, do you guys want to try some of this delicious bread? You get a slice, and you get a slice, and you get a slice! Yes, yes, Belinda, everybody loves bread. Did you know that this bread started out as a tiny ball of dough? It's true. And today, one of my oldest pals has agreed to join us and tell us what it takes to turn that dough into bread. Jill, you let Belinda book her own guest? <laughs> we'll talk about this later, Jill. What do you think? Should I bring him out? Okay, then. Give it up for my dear old pal, Yancey Yeast! Hey, dear Belinda! Oh, nice to see you again. Kathy, long time. Oh, hello, Yancey. I met Yancey when I baked my very first loaf of bread. That's right. You were, what, uh, ten or something? Actually, eight. <laughs> eight years old. Whoa. We've been working together a long time. But you want to know something, dear Belinda? I keep coming back because you feed me so well. I mean, where else is a little fungus like me going to get so much to eat? Why, I don't know what you're talking about. Seriously, you guys, all I do is give Yancey a little flour and water, sometimes a little sugar. Flour, water, and sugar. Get a load of that. She's only talking about my all-time favorite meal. And then warm me up a bit, and I'm set. Isn't Belinda the best? Oh, you better believe it, Kath. Once I get going, I chow down on the sugars and naturally produce some byproducts along the way. The most important being good old CO2. Carbon dioxide. What a gas. And the flour and water make a perfect sticky wall that traps those gas bubbles. In the oven, the gas bubbles expand, causing that dough to rise even more. Well, we appreciate you being here, Yancey, but that's not the only way to get doughs or batters to rise. That's why I've invited my special guests, baking soda and baking powder. B.S. and B.P., thanks for being here. Um, B.S. and B.P., thanks for being here. Uh, Kath... I don't think you're going to get much in the way of conversing from the likes of them two. Excuse me? Unlike our pal Yancey here, those two aren't alive. Oh, dear. I'm a microorganism, baby. Those two? Well, they're just chemical compounds. Sorry, toots. Oh, just when I was finally about to figure out what the difference is between those two. Well, I can help you with that. Baking soda is sodium bicarbonate. Yeah, salt and CO2 stuck together. Baking powder is a sodium bicarbonate combined with an acid added to it, which causes a reaction. So baking soda needs other ingredients to react. But baking powder is a one-man show. When they react, they release CO2 bubbles into the batter. Just like me and my fellas. Yeast in the house! But they're not alive. Indubitably. And far less interesting conversationalists, I might add. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Belinda and Yancey. We've all learned so very much. Anytime, Kath. After the break, I'll show you how to make Kath's favorite cookie, chocolate crinkles. That's your favorite cookie, Belle. I like snickerdoodles. Stay tuned for more Baking with Belinda. Cooking with Kathy. Who wants more bread? So are you guys ready for that 
second mystery sound. Here it is. Any guesses? Think the ending there. I think those clanging of pots and pans, maybe. Okay, so you think you heard some pots I, and pans in there? Yeah, and I have I have no idea what in the world that squeaky <laughs> sound was. Alice, do you have any guesses about the squeaking? Uh huh. I I think the squeaking was either a whooping cushion or a balloon. Okay, a balloon or a whooping cushion and some pots and pans. You guys ready for the answer? Mm hmm. Here it is. That's the sound of bread degassing. So it's come out of the first rising, the first fermentation, and the gluten structure has captured air. And when you form the bread into a loaf, you're squishing it down, forming it, and that's the air escaping through the gluten. So it's like popping little balloons. I'm Nate Hogue, and I'm a baker at Break Bread. So you were not that far off when you thought about balloons squeaking, because it's basically little balloons of gas. So you, I think you were pretty close on that one. Now, when most of us bake with yeast, we add it to our dough from little packets or jars, usually. But wild yeast is actually everywhere. And you can bake with that, too. It's that wild yeast that likely led to the discovery of baking tens of thousands of years ago. Ken Albala, director of food studies at the University of the Pacific, is here to tell us about how humans stumbled upon the coolness that is baking. Well, people have been using fire and cooking grain in it long before wheat was domesticated, probably a good 10 or 20,000 years before people gathered wild grains and ground them. So if you just add water to that and leave it around for a while, yeast will naturally attack the dough, and so will lactobacillus bacteria, and that will cause it to get a little sour and to rise. And if you put that on a hot surface, you have a nice flatbread. If you go to some of the really early sites in the Middle East, like Fatal Hoyuk in Turkey or Jericho or places like that, there are pretty rudimentary ovens that are built into each house. So you'd have a kind of, in the corner, you'd have a little mud oven with a hole leading outside for the smoke to go outside. You could start a fire in there, take out the ashes, put in a bread or something, and just um, close up the, a door on the thing, and you're basically baking. So, so those, you know, we have pretty complete ovens um, and grinding stones in the same place and usually a storage area where you'd keep wheat so it's clear that that's like a little household bakery that's like 10,000 years ago so around 8,000 BC well flatbreads probably come before because you don't need any technology to do that at all you can literally put a rock on a set of hot coals and just cook right on top of that and, and I think by the time you have like clay technology people will generally uh, be able to store much more grain and not just collect it, but also save some and plant it nearby so you don't have to wander off and gather it. I mean, the moment you have stored grains, you can grind them. That means you've got flour. Once you have flour, you know, you can, you can bake very easily. There's probably no inventor of, of risen bread. There are a lot of theories. People think, you know, it was maybe they were making a porridge and left it out and it became sour. 
and and it does actually happen spontaneously. It's not even like it's a really a human process. Humans help a little in the whole thing, but it's nature that, that does the fermentation. It's the lactobacillus and the yeast that really do the whole thing. So probably bread is an accident. You mix a bunch of ingredients, add heat, and let the reactions do the work. Turning your batter or dough into delicious baked goods. Gas bubbles in the batter expand when they get hot. Causing it to rise. The bubbles are trapped by the other ingredients, which create a structure to hold in the gas. And deliciousness. That's it for this tasty episode of Brains On. This episode was produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. Many thanks to Mike Saminas, Holly Nolan, Stuart Bloom, Anna Weggle-Reed, Micah Taylor, and Dave Dominguez. To listen to past episodes, head to our website, BrainsOn.org, or listen in your favorite podcast app. And if you're a fan of Brains On, consider leaving a review in iTunes. It really helps other kids and parents find the show. You can also keep up with us on Instagram or Twitter. We're at Brains underscore on. And we're on Facebook, too. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening!